So, hey, so we, uh, how many of you just got home from man camp and you're here this morning? Yeah, man, good times. Yeah, we had a great time. So that picture real quick. Here's just a, a picture, one picture of some of the guys. Some of the guys had to leave early, but these are some of our guys. We had about 30 guys uh, show up. Mark's looking really, we talked about his PWTs right here in the front, the, paste, the pasty white thighs. And um, and so we t- asked him, man, just be careful with uh, pulling up too high because, man, blind us in the picture. But, uh, no, we had a great time, the FFA camp down on uh, Lake Jackson. And uh, it was just a lot of fun, and we, you know, God really began to move us in the lives of our men. And I think there were lots of takeaways. I think one of the primary takeaways was on Friday night. God just really began to, to break some things off of people. We began to pray for some men for a couple of primary issues that they were facing. And um, there's just a real moment of breakthrough, right? Just, I mean, literally, like these 10 guys came forward. I'm going to tell you what, I'll tell you what we prayed about because it was so intense. David Eldridge got up and said, I feel like there's about, and it ended up being about 10, 15 men here. One, you have given yourself into um, like a dangerous zone in a relationship with a female that hasn't really turned into an affair yet, but you are dabbling in that. You're getting too close, and that may be you, so I want you to come forward. Other was, man, you're using alcohol at night. You're not an alcoholic, but you're using alcohol at night to kind of just curb the edge, right, kind of as a crutch to lean on. He said, if that's you, he said, there's a light right here. I feel like God's saying, bring those things in the dark into the light, and I want to invite you to come forward. And so, so they came forward. And it was powerful, right? I mean, how exposing is that? It's like that seems overwhelming and really scary in front of a group of 150 men who were there total, right? And coming forward and just bringing things into the light. And and it was just, and it was really cool. Here's the response. The response is all of a sudden, like these guys' friends just got up from their chairs without being told and got up behind them and put their hands on their shoulders and just began to pray for them. Like that's... That's profound. And so we just, then we just took some time and prayed over them, right, for breakthrough and healing. I mean, it was like in that moment, like there was this something that shifted. And, and so I would say if that is you, even the things that I named and that kind of fit you, hey, it's God's kindness, we said. It's God's kindness, his compassion, his love for you that leads you to repentance, to turn from those things and turn to life. So, so if that's you, good news, you don't have to go to camp to turn from those things, right? I want to invite you today to turn, right, to, to turn away from those things because Jesus is enough, right? And if you would like, and if you like, as a man, if you would, whether it's a man or a woman, but specifically a man, if that's you, I want to invite you to come. So not this coming Saturday, but the next, we're having a breakfast on Saturday morning, Saturday morning up here. What time is it? 8 a.m. Sorry, I should look at my announcement before I started. Right, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> right, some men's breakfast, March 23rd. It's going to be up here at Vintage, and so I want to invite you to come and to be a part of that. Uh, but it's beautiful because as we as we come into that time, right, the idea is like we believe that God wants to put us in the context of relationship, having other guys. One of the things we talked about in our men's at man camp was this: it's like men by nature just do a really terrible job of having other men in their life. Like we were even talking, like some of the men, like yeah, I have guys from like years ago, and that's great, but they don't work anymore because they're not in your daily life, right? They work a little bit, but not great. You need people right now who are walking and running with you and crying with you and praying. Free, like even you saw over here this morning, we had ministry happening. We have someone just who's sick right now, struggling. So we just group came over, just loved on her, laid hands on her, and prayed for her. Why? Because we're called to love on one another, to minister to one another. And so, men, let me just say this: you can't do it by yourself. You can't do life by yourself. That's a lie of your parents' generation. You just got to pull up the bootstraps and keep on going. You can make it if you just press on. No, you're going to die. You're going to die. You can't do it by yourself. 
And so we as men, we want to begin to create and, and, and just really invest into those relationships. So again, that's what we want to do next Saturday, two Saturdays. So basically in 13 days, we will meet up here at Vintage, host a breakfast, or come hungry. It's going to be a lot of fun, and um, we'd love to have you. All right. This morning, I want to dive in. We've been talking about this idea of the journey. So uh, the journey is on. We're talking about this idea of this journey in our spiritual life. And so what I want to say, one of the journeys I think about all the time, because I'm a parent, right, is I think about the nature of being a parent. And so what I want you to so either so either you were a child who had parents, and so you understand this, and maybe it didn't go well, maybe it did, right, for you. Or maybe now you are a parent, so you understand, understand in the context of being a parent. But parenting is a journey. And parenting is one of those things where... We give ourselves, we give ourselves, if we're good parents, we give ourselves to, to relationship with our children, right? We, we want to have this personal relationship with our children. We want to invest into their lives, right? We hoped our parents invested into us, right? We had this personal relationship of, there's a level of intimacy. We want to know one another. We want to be intentional with one another, right? We want to be intentional, intimate with our children, we want to, to give of ourselves, right? We want to live sacrificially. When I got married, I recognized how selfish I was, right? So I'm sharing life. I'm sharing everything with a person. And then I had kids, right? And I realized, oh, my gosh, I am so selfish. I, I, we loved our time, and we loved all the things, but now we just can't do them because I've got a child crying at 3 in the morning. I love this. I didn't, right? And so there's this, this dynamic of sacrifice that comes with that. It's this personal investment. So our lives, then, as parents are spent in this season of this personal relationship with our children, right, investing into them and giving the best of ourselves and, and like our just watching, man, just watching over their, our, their lives with our children as our checking account is just depleted every single month for some reason, right? Because we're just investing into them with everything that we have, literally. And so the idea is that there's this personal relationship. We're on a journey, and the journey is this personal relationship we have with our children. But let's, let's be honest. Like everything that we're doing is for that relationship, but it's also, if we're honest, about preparation, isn't it? Because you know your kids don't live with you forever and you probably don't want them to. Right? Like you know there's a time that's coming when they will, quote unquote, leave the nest. And so all that you're doing in this personal relationship is not so that they will just live with you inside of your four walls forever and until you die, right? No, as you invest in them because you know a time is coming when you will then release them into this life of independence. Yes, you will continue to, to, to be a part of their life. And yes, they will come back and visit and you will visit. But the, the nature of a healthy relationship with children is that you're preparing them so that a time comes that they will then leave the nest, leave your four walls, and they will then go and live this their own sending, right? Their own calling, their own purposes. And that's what you want, isn't it? Like you want to prepare your children, everything that you've done, everything that you're doing. And let's be honest. I mean, those who have kids in their 30s or 20s, like you're still doing all you can to prepare your kids. You never stop, right? But you're literally living your life to prepare them so that when they get on their own, they, they get to call you, but they don't have to. Cause you've done a good job. 
You've, in this personal relationship, you've invested in preparation so a time comes that they can leave. And so when we talk about over the last several weeks, we've been, we've been talking about the journey that we're on honestly into this personal, this personal place with Jesus. We've talked about the idea in this, this first place that, that Jesus, man, he sends us, he says, I mean, treat this relationship like a race, First Corinthians says, Paul tells us, right? You are running this race with Jesus as if he is the prize you're trying to attain. And it speaks to the, the personal nature of relationship that you have with him. Like, yes, God, my relationship with you is my, it's personal. I'm going after you were my prize. We said that prize, hear this, if you weren't here, you haven't been here, like that prize is a secret place. Like that's this biblical language to talk about the place where you reside with Jesus. It's a secret place. It's like a, a place made just for, for you and him. And, and the scripture tells us in Psalm 139, you were conceived there. So therefore, it's a place you're always longing to get back to because it's like a journey home to Jesus, right? So there's this beautiful reality that we have of journeying home, journeying to the secret place. Because when we get there, it was the third week, says it's really a journey then to the secret place. It's a journey to abundance. It's a journey to abundance. Like we talk about the abundance of it's like we just put it in the context of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? You've read that. Love, joy, peace, patience. I'll just go slower. Love, abundance, joy, abundance, peace, abundance, right? On in the line, self-control and faithfulness and gentleness, all these things. Like, and what he says, man, when you go to this, like when you run as if it's a prize to get to the secret place, what you then experience in the personal relationship is the abundance of the fruit of God's presence in your life. That is... That's your inheritance. Like, it's not something we have to try to get to and attain. It's something that already belongs to you. Like, we, we, we aspire all day long trying to get to something we already attain. Isn't that crazy? Like, we want more joy. We already have it. How do we know? Because he lives inside, joy lives inside of us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus inside of me. He is joy. Jesus, I want someone to love me. You are. Jesus is love. He's inside of you, man. Just, whoa, right? Like, I pray all the time, God, just awaken me to what's already true. So we go to this place, secret place, so we can go, oh, yes, look at the abundance. And then when we get there, we said last week in the personal nature of our life, then the journey to overcoming, because when we get there and we receive the abundance of Jesus and we know he's with us, then when the day of evil comes... We said we take our stand, offensive stance against the enemy, and what happens? We win! We're more than conquerors. We're super conquerors, it says. Right? But we don't feel that. We said last, last, last week, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. It wasn't bad. It was pretty good. I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Way to go, Jesus. You actually said something good, right? So I think the idea for us this morning is, like, there's this personal nature of our relationship with Jesus. And it's beautiful. It's like, he's just a good, he's a good parent. He's fighting hard for you. He's fighting hard to bring you to the secret place. He's fighting hard to awaken you to abundance. He's fighting hard to cause you to be an overcomer. But here's the deal. Sometimes we just get caught up in the personal, forgetting it's also preparation. We just want, we want, we want, we want. Right? So we do more Bible studies because we just want more. All right? We do more hangout, holy hangouts with people who already know Jesus. 
Because we just want more, right? That's good. Those are all fine things. We come to church with a bunch of Christians on Sunday morning because it's good to be here. It's a personal feel-good moment for us. And so we live life, and we, what we're looking for are personal feel-good moments. How much of our Christian faith is defined by personal feel-good moments? It's defined by the personal. But we don't realize and we forget. He's saying, no, no, no. It is personal, but it's also always in mind because I'm a good parent like you. Everything's also a preparation, but I can't wait to kick you out. Now you can come back. You can come back. Every day. But I want to kick you out every day. Now I'll go with you, right? But I want to kick you out. Why? Because the nature is this. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. It's beautiful. It's intimate. It's fantastic. But it's also a preparation because by nature, by the call of God, every one of us is sent every day. Every one of us is sent Charles Spurgeon once said, this is going to be hard. It's not on the screen, right? He says, if you call yourself a Christian but not a missionary, then you are simply an imposter. If you call yourself a Christian but not a missionary where you are, then you are simply an imposter. The idea is talking about being sent. Like, I read that and I went, oh, man. Like Lisa Creel always, like every other Sunday says, man, you stepped on my toes again, right? I read that and it stepped on my toes. I grew up, man, I grew up in a good Southern Baptist church, man. It's like, that you want to step on my toes every week. That's it, man. And then I read that, I'm like, oh, if I call myself a Christian but not a missionary every single moment of my life because God's prepared me for it, then I'm simply an imposter. Like, just chew on that for a minute. Because the idea, yeah, you got you to chew on it, sorry. And so, she goes, do I have to? Or, yes, you got to chew on it, right? It's just the nature of being, right? The, this idea of, that we are all in this personal relationship. Jesus longs for us to have a personal relationship. But the nature of the personal is it's always preparation to be sent. It's always preparation to be sent. The journey is always twofold. All of us understand the idea of preparation, right? It's the process of being made ready for a specific person, purpose or calling. Like if you watch NASCAR, like I got a buddy of mine, right, Tyler Reagan. He, he got invited to come. He does this ministry thing. He got invited to come to day, the day, to, or to Talladega and to pray before the big race, right? And it was really, really funny because he, he said, this guy came and said, all right, 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 let me tell you, man, you got to pray. It's like when you pray. Like, it's good. You can pray to Jesus. That's fine. But you've got to pray for the troops. Because one guy got, didn't get prayed for for the troops. Man, we caught so much flack. So you've got to pray for the troops, right? Because the ideas we understand, like being in the army, being in the armed forces, it's like, that's a, that's a big deal, isn't it? It's overwhelming. It's, it's this idea. And could you imagine, like, could you imagine, like, when those of you who had kids, could you imagine... Like if your 18-year-old son went into the armed forces and they said, we don't have time for boot camp, we're going to send you straight to the front lines, just figure out the whole gun thing. I mean, that wouldn't be very nice. And it wouldn't be helpful. You'd be praying for the troops, right? Because boot camp is required for preparation. Why? Because for soldiers, man, if you don't get prepared, you will die. And so Jesus is in this moment saying, man, man, it's personal, but man, it is preparation. 
Because living out there is hard. It's overwhelming. You need the secret place. You need the abundance. You need the Holy Spirit as the overcomer in you or you will die. But it is preparation. Don't miss it. The idea is simple. God calls us to his presence for the purpose of growing and maturing us so we can leave his presence and leave. And you know what I mean when I say that. I don't literally mean leave his presence. Don't be a Bible snob. Like, yes, I know he goes with us. But you know what I'm getting at. Just use the analogy. Run with me, right? We leave his presence. We leave his presence and lead everyone else back to the place we just left. Just like Jesus did. We go so we know how to get there, so we know the path, so we can then leave, and we don't need breadcrumbs to get back. We already know it, so we can go find people who've never been there and then bring them back. Mm, that sounded good, didn't it? You're like, yes! Like, I love this. Listen, newcomers, you don't have to come to Vintage, but go somewhere that tells you you're sent. Because if you just go somewhere and they just like pat you all day long and tell you how great you are, but never challenge you to be something more than you are, then you will waste your life and be an imposter. And so in this, right, God says, I want to lead you to my presence personally because I want to fill you. But it's also preparation so you can go and find that guy who's dying and going to hell or he's dying and needs help. And you can go to him, say, I know the path back to Jesus. Why don't you? I'll go with you. We are in a personal relationship so that we're prepared. Scripture tells us stories all the time of people who are near to Jesus in the context of their calling. I'm just going to go through some. Primarily Old Testament people, Adam and Eve, man and woman, right? What they do, they would walk in the cool of the day when the father would come down and speak with them, right? They had this personal relationship with God. Like it was, there was like, they literally lived in nakedness and it probably meant physically because they didn't clothe themselves in fig leaves, but it literally meant in the fullness of who they were, they were just naked and transparent before God. What a personal relationship with God that is. But what was their calling? Man, their calling was to, to, to subdue the earth. Like they were given jobs to, 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 to be fruitful and to multiply, right? To, to name the beasts of the field. They had a, an intimate relationship in the context of a calling. We see in the context of Noah. Like how did Noah, listen, how did Noah know to build the ark? Because he went to be with God, have a relationship with him, and either hear his internal audible voice or his external audible voice. I'm not real sure which, right? But so much so, he's like, I don't know what this rain thing is you're talking about. Because I've never seen water fall from the sky before. But if you tell me to build a boat, I'll build a boat. Right? Calling. In the context of having been in a personal relationship with the father. Abram, who came to be known as Abraham and his wife Sarah. Like, how did he know to leave Ur and go to a place that God would show him because he wanted to make him the father of many nations because of his personal relationship with God, which then led him to a calling which has enabled us to sit here today. If Abraham had been disobedient and God had not raised up anybody else, then we wouldn't be sitting here. Man, we're here because Abram said yes. Because of my personal relationship with you and listening to you, I will answer the call to go. Moses. Moses, like, man, he's like, God said, let's be intimate. He brings him to a bush and causes it to burn and talks to him. That's never happened to me. 
Right? That'd be cool. Right? But then what did he do? He goes and saves a whole nation. Right? The personal led to a preparation which led to the calling of being sent. Have you ever read any of the prophets? Like I'm talking the minor and the major. Like the Amoses of the world. Who reads that, right? But I mean, it's like it's there. No, I'm kidding. It's like the Amoses, right? And the Obadiahs of the world and the, and the, and the Isaiahs and the Ezekiels. I mean, they're pretty, they're cool guys. What do they have? They all have what we have. A personal relationship with God that led to a hearing in the voice of God to a calling to go save a nation. I don't know if you've ever heard, but Jesus had dudes who followed him. And he had some girls too. It was probably a good half and half split. Men and women following Jesus. The 120 that were together in, in prayer, right, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come, it was men and women. Like, there was this group of people who were there. And, like, what do they do? Like, have you ever read it? I love, listen, I love reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why? Because I just love reading the relationships that Jesus had with these guys and girls. Isn't it really cool, ladies? The very first person Jesus wanted to talk to after he came back from the dead was a woman. He's just honoring you. He's honoring you. He's letting you know that you count. He's letting you know that you have a voice. He's letting you know that, man, he, he adores who you are. He wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. It's the personal. You know, you know who led lots of people to Jesus? Mary Magdalene. I wonder if she won. Yeah, we're all competitive. I wonder if God let the woman win, of like leading people to Jesus and the early disciples. I have no idea. It's not in Scripture. It would be fun to think about. Right? It's just quiet. He's like quiet on who won because he's not, he's not really in a competition like that. But I mean, like I am. And I'm like, I wonder if Mary won. That'd be fun. Beat Paul, right? <laughs> Beat Peter. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. But I'm on getting at it. It's like there's this personal, there was preparation for the men and for the women to go out and do what? To be sent. It's powerful. It's powerful. So let's just marinate. Let's ruminate on. I love those words. Marinate and ruminate. I love those words. Right? I just want you to do those things. Right? Just like to sit in for a moment. John 20. I'm going to go one verse and then I'll build the context around it. Okay? John 20, 21. Simply says this. Jesus talking to his, his buddies. Right? Men and women. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. End of story. Right? As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So listen to a Bible study. It's like when you're having time with Jesus, right? I don't know what your time with Jesus looks like, and I'm sure you hopefully you spend time in the Word, not the Quran, to be better than the Bible, I'm just saying, right? It's like you're spending time in the Bible, right? Reading about Jesus and the life of Jesus and who he is, right? And he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Let me tell you what my time with Jesus looks like. I stop and I ruminate. I marinate. I'm like, hmm. What did it mean? What did Jesus mean? He says, the Father sent me. Like, do you do that in your time with Jesus? Like, do you stop and go, Jesus, when, when the Father sent you, what did that mean? And then you process it. You marinate in it. You ruminate in it, right? Just kind of let it begin to wash over you. Like, you can go look up the Greek. I don't really care, right? But ultimately, you know what Jesus is saying about it. What is he saying? What does it mean? How did he apply it in his life? Because he says, as the Father sent me, in the same way the Father sent me. Hear this. In the same way the Father sent me, that's exactly how I'm sending you. So if you want to know what your sentness looks like, it's pretty imperative you know what Jesus' sentness looked like. 
Because in the same way I'm sending you, excuse me, in the same way that the Father sent me, I right now, in this moment, I'm now sending you, just as like, here's the deal, like Father, Son, Holy Spirit, like how, the, how does the Trinity work in heaven? I don't really have any idea, but it's pretty cool to think about. Like somewhere in this moment, the Father sent the Son, and there was this moment of saying, this is what you're going to go do. He's like, yes, this is fantastic, I agree. And so like, there's this moment of like, that's why I am alive. That's why I'm going to leave perfection to go here, the incarnation, and be a man, be a human being for 33 years because there's a purpose of me being sent from the nest. Jesus' own life, right? Jesus' own life. It was marked by his personal relationship with the Father. Personal. His this idea of being prepared ultimately to go. Now, for Jesus, it wasn't necessarily the exact same preparation that we have, but it is still this like, I'm being sent. So this verse in the context of, this, this verse is in the context of one of the most difficult seasons of the disciples' lives, right? That's really interesting to me, because Jesus, Jesus has just been crucified. He's very, very dead in the moment, right? And the disciples are struggling. They're just in a room together, kind of freaking out, what do we do now? And in verse, 9, in verse 19, Jesus goes, boo, right? He shows up. Hey, ah, right? Shows up. It's crazy in the moment. Shocks the disciples. He, he scared them so bad. He says, you guys will speak peace over them, right? Peace I bring to you, right? Peace I bring to you. He shows them his hands and his feet, and we're told that they are overjoyed. And then don't you find it interesting that Jesus probably said lots of things, like he hung out, like we know later in other scriptures, like Thomas asked him some questions, and this whole dialogue back and forth. He, he says, I'm hungry, bring something to eat, right? We learn from that. But isn't it interesting that John says, out of all the things that happened, and Jesus said, I just want to capture one thing. He said, as the Father has sent me, I am now sending you. Like, you do you ever do that? Someone says a lot, and you're like, let me just sum it up for you. The only thing that really matters that they just said was this. Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book called The Sticking Point, and the idea, like, this is the sticking point. This is it. Like, this is the message. Hey, man, you prepared this relationship. It's been a season of, like, personal relationship, but now you're being sent. He prepared you to be sent. And so this beautiful reality here, right, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is this reality. We have to marinate and ruminate. Yes, it's great to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but that's all we ever give ourselves to, and we don't actually embrace our sentness, then we, as Charles Spurgeon said, we're just simply imposters. Because Christians have a personal relationship, which it's also a preparation of being sent. So, so without diving into it too deeply this morning, I want you to this week. I'm just going to read to you something you know very, very familiar. It's very familiar to you. Like in Jesus' sending. Jesus gives us a, a snapshot of his sending, what it looks like, right? It's really, really cool. So we have an idea. of like, oh, what did Jesus' sending look like? What did it, what's he sent to? What does it look like? Well, it's really simple. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. Jesus walks into the temple after having been tempted by Satan for 40 days and 40 nights right over here in the desert. He comes out being filled with the Holy Spirit, right? He walks into the temple. Someone says, ah, read this scroll. Hands in the scroll. He opens it to Isaiah 61, and he quotes this. He says, the Spirit 
of the Lord. This is Luke's four chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter four, verses 18 to 21. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim, here it is, to proclaim good news to the poor. That's literally physically and spiritually. He has sent me to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives. That's physical and spiritual. And to recover, uh, the recovering of sight to the blind. That'd be physical and spiritual. And to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That'd be across the board, right? And to proclaim that now that I'm here, this is the year of the Lord's favor. It says, after he rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. It says, all the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. I am now sent and I am now here. So what do you have? A snapshot of the preparation of what, it, what happens before we're sent. And what are we sent to? This. I'm here in the moment. What I'm saying to you is, it would probably be really good for you to focus some time and energy this week praying around Luke chapter 4, 18 through 21. Just read the whole chapter. It's all good. Just read the whole chapter. And look at the sentence, the things you're prepared for, right? Ask yourself questions like, well, is there anybody who's actually lost in my life that I'm close with? Or do I only know Christians? That's not helpful. It's not helpful to only know Christians. The simple reality of Jesus sending the sending, right? That's the same sending he gave to his disciples who then passed it down to their disciples, who then passed it to their disciples all the way down to today. And so in this moment of Jesus saying, as I was sent Luke 4, I'm sending you, so you're doing a Luke 4 disciples. They then pass that all the way down so that we can say, in the same way that Jesus was sent, so now we are sent. we have to begin to wrestle through that, right? We are to proclaim good news to the poor. We're to bring freedom to those who are in bondage, again, physically and spiritually, to pray for healing for those who are physically and spiritually blind, right? To find those who are oppressed and give our lives to help them no longer be oppressed. Why? How? We say we know where there's abundance. I've been on the journey. I can show you how to get there. So with that in mind, here are a few things just to process, think about, and to remember. There's three things. Number one, these are all kind of P's, so be helpful. You have received power. You have received power. All I'm getting at is like now in this preparation, like you are, you have received the power of God. Here's the thing. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to do anything except know Jesus to be empowered. Why? Because when, the, when you give your life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. It's really interesting, right? In John, if you keep on going on, in John chapter 20, the next verse says, it says, and Jesus came up. I may have written it down. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Verse 22. It says, immediately after Jesus had commissioned them to be sent, he says, here it is. I, I don't know if I put it up there. I don't think I put it up there. I apologize. We'll do, the next service will get it. All right. Verse 22 says, and with that, he said that, verse 21 says, and with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Right? Don't you find it interesting that when Jesus comes into the temple, is then Jesus now full, like full of the Holy Spirit? Like he connects himself to the Holy Spirit in the context of being sent. The same spirit, listen, the same spirit that empowered Jesus' sentness is now the same spirit that lives in you. So you have power. Don't believe the lie of the enemy says, well, I just can't do it. I just can't. I don't know enough. Can you love people? Can you love them? Can you love people? 
Do you have it in you? If you can love people, then you can be. That's the power of God. It breaks down walls. You've been empowered. So Jesus has given us his spirit, and we now today have everything we need in him to be effective for bringing the good news to those who are over here need to know the path. Number one, number two, you were sent to a people. You were sent to a people. Jesus came to draw us into relationship, right, to give us abundant life, to bring the fruit of his presence. But he also has sent us to people who have not yet received those things, so they're going to have them too, right? You're sent to a people. I'm reading this book by J.D. Greer, and, he, and it's called Gaining by Losing. He says this. I think he's the president of the Baptist Convention right now. I'm not sure. He says this. Churches that want to penetrate the world with the life of Jesus think less about the Sunday morning bang and more about equipping their members to blast a hole in the mountain of lostness that plagues the world. Like, that's a good one, right? That's on the screen, Sandy, isn't it there? Yeah, thank you. Put it up there. Y'all look at it. All right. Churches that want to penetrate the world, the life of Jesus, think less about the Sunday morning bang. To be honest with you, they think less about singing songs on Sunday morning. They think less about sermons on Sunday morning. Right. That's not their goal of Christianity. They think less about getting here on Sunday morning, even though it's important to be together with one another. Right. But they think more about how do we take the plague of losses in our world and just blow a hole in it. Right. A phrase that came to me while preparing that I thought was from Jesus. I want you to write this down and think about it. What is this like? You're sent to a people. So it's simple. What's my calling? No, it's this. Where we are is where we're sent. Where we are is where we're sent. You don't have to spend for everything. Oh, my gosh, God, where are you calling me to go? Where you are. Where you are is where you were sent. It's as simple as that. Whether you work in a school setting, whether you work in your car and you have like sales positions, you're going talking to people, you're going to people's houses, right, for service things, right, whether you work in an office, right, whatever you're doing, where you are is where you were sent. So wherever you go, that's where you're sent. Wherever you go, listen, wherever you go today is what God prepared you for. David Platt, friend of mine, says every served, every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. Right? There you go, David. Good job. That's it. That's it. Three, you were empowered to bring salvation to a problem. That's what Jesus named, isn't it? He just named a bunch of problems going on in people's lives. In Jesus' sentness, he specifically tell us, tells us what he was sent to save people from, right? He comes into the moment, right, and he proclaims good news to what? A problem of poverty, spiritual poverty and physical poverty. He says, proclaim liberty to who? Those who are experiencing the problem of captivity, spiritually and physically. He comes into a problem of blindness, spiritually and physically, so he speaks into that, right? And he comes to those who are experiencing the problem of oppression, spiritual oppression, probably being a primary piece of this, but definitely physical also, and he comes to set them free. There are problems that Jesus was sent to. He came in the power of the Holy Spirit, which meant he had answers to the problem, just like we do. So as we end, I want you to remember, man, the beauty of the beauty of God's personal relationship with dad every day. It is a priority. Let's just go back full circle. Here, I'm literally almost done. I'm almost done, okay? So everybody, take a deep breath. You give me three minutes, I'll be done. We can go, right? Because we're going to end strong. 
Where was I? All right. So Revelation. He says the Church of Ephesians. Man, you are living your sentness, but you never go back to the secret place. Right? You're doing all these right things, but you've lost your first love. Return to what you did before. You're doing your sentness, but you're not daily returning back to the secret place because every day is a work of preparation. That wasn't, that was pretty good, right? So in this, you've been prepared. You've been empowered. And every time you go to the secret place, man, it's like a recharge button, isn't it? Just fill me again. I've given everything away and just so thankful that there's always more love. There's always more joy. There's always more gentleness. And so that's why the personal and the preparation and the sentness, it's just the beautiful cycle of knowing Jesus. Isn't it actually the beautiful cycle of what it means to be a parent? Do you know people in their 30s and 40s who have to go home for a season, right? Because they just need to be a moment of being recharged and refilled. Why? Because it's been hard out there in the real world and there's a safe place to come back to. Moved it every day with Jesus. In the context, we've invited everybody, just a reminder, we've invited all of you on a 40-day prayer initiative, right? Started last Wednesday. If you were on the email list at Vintage, then... Then you got the email this week, and we've received those different devotions from all these different churches, both around here who are partnering together in different states, right? Westridge kind of helped put this together. Kevin Dunlap, a good friend. And so you find Brian Beloy, and there's the pastor over there. And just we're working together as a team to pray together and to seek God for breakthrough in our community, right? We want the wave of God's Spirit to overwhelm those and to go out to those and just like pick them up and bring them back in, right? That's what we're looking for. We're praying that wave of God's Spirit. And so, again, today or tomorrow, I guess today, I've got to get something to April to send out, but we'll be sending out an email, again, that just has the devotions for the week, and it's going to then have, again, some more prayer points that we're praying into specifically for the life of Vintage. I just invite you to take 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes to an hour every day, for how long your schedule permits, just to pray every day, right, for these things we're praying into. So, again, an invitation, just remember, we have prayer every Tuesday morning. Corporate prayer is so good. So, Tuesday morning, 6.30 up here, right, on March 12th from 7 to 8, right? We have a night of prayer and worship. Night of prayer and worship. It's this week. It's this Tuesday. Man, just everybody, everybody come. Let's all join together in prayer. Prayer is boring. No, it's not the way we do it. It's fun. It really is, right? It's life-giving. So prayer initiative. Let's pray together. And just remember the rooted initiative. Again, so we've been doing this, this rooted initiative, this giving initiative here at Vintage. You invited people who are at Vintage to come be a part of this. And the rooted initiative is real simple. God's given us 48 acres of land on Cedar Crest Road, and he didn't give it to us so that we could just sit inside and have our own personal relationship with one another and personal relationship with Jesus. The vision of it is that it focuses on, yes, discipleship of people inside the family, about our lost community, those who do not know Jesus. And the third part is specifically around mission with a primary piece of focusing on foster care. That's our primary, primary mission locally, with other things too, right? But two parts of our vision over here is to get outside of our four walls and use what God's given us to be an agent of salvation for those who don't know him or who are far from him or are hurting and oppressed. 
And so, again, we, like we're just, again, just reminding you, next week and the following week, we're going to invite you to take these commitment cards that we've created, right? And you can say, yes, I'm still financially engaged, but here's the point about the financial part of this. The financial part is not about giving money so I can get a blessing from God. It's about giving to a vision so that we can be a sent people. Money in church should not be about turning on lights, although we have to do that. It should ultimately be about our sentness and being a people who are sent. And so as we ask you just to prayerfully, God, what do you have me continue to do financially at Vintage? I don't want you to think about my money and my bank account. I'm just asking you to think about Jesus' secret place preparations so we can be sent. And so as we hand those cards out, again, we have to do that thing, right? It's going to be this good reality of like, God, what's the vision? I just want you to fill it out. But I want you to think less about the card, less about money. I want you to think less about how churches abuse money over the years and think, God, no, it's about the vision of reaching those in our community who do not know you. And as we prayerfully consider those things, and that's what it's going to be about. And so in that. If you got an invitation last week to come to our Roots Summit because you're new at Vintage, I don't I'm not sure anybody signed up for it yet. This is the last day we have to know. If you don't sign up today, we just can't do it because we have food prep we have to do. So if that's you, please sign up. We want to sit down to share the vision with you. It's this week, what is it? Mar- yeah, it's Thursday night here at Vintage. I want to invite you to come be a part of that. But I want you to think again, vision, sentness. Personal preparation and being sent. Personal preparation and being sent. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your life. And we thank you, Lord, that you love us. And this morning, Jesus, just as we come to a time of ministry, Lord, it's just, for many of us, it's just simply a time, Lord, of of remembering, God, of being honest. God, we didn't dive in today to all the specifics of what it means to go and evangelize, Lord. We just said it just begins by having our heart right of recognizing I'm a person who's sent and I have what I need in Jesus. And that, God, we're simply sent where we are just to go and love and be Jesus to people. And really, God, what you really call us to do Sharing Jesus is super simple. It really just means being a great friend. That's all it really means. Would you make us great friends everywhere we are? And so, Father, we love you. We thank you and praise in your name.